Okay, we continue the next Mishnah on Vav Amit Beis, continuing this discussion of if you're able to water your crops on Cholamoid. So, Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov Omer, Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov says, Moshchin es hamayim me'ilon me'ilon. We can divert water from one tree to another tree on Cholamoid. Why do you have to divert it? Let's say water has made a pool under a tree. So you got too much water over here and you'd like to move it to other places. So you can make a small channel from where the pool is to another tree, divert the water to where it's needed. And either you do that with your foot, we said that's not a very strenuous activity. Now, trees are like crops that grow in an irrigated field because there's a danger of a considerable loss in the event they're not watered regularly. So therefore, watering them is permitted on cholamoid. So it's just like a field that has to be saturated. And it can create a financial loss if you don't take care of them. And if you're just making the channel and you're diverting the water, that's not a lot of work. So therefore, you're allowed to do it. So that's consistent with everything we've learned. However, here's the added point. You might consider, well, once I'm diverting and I'm doing that already, but provided you do not water the entire field. So we're talking about the trees are in a rain-watered field. In other words, it's not an irrigation field. There's two things to look at over here. We're already in the beginning of the Masechda made a distinction between an irrigated field and a rain-watered. And only in an irrigated field are you allowed to irrigate on Cholomoid without it, without a lot of strenuous work. A field that has trees, the trees are one part of the field, but what's the rest of the field? The rest of the field is speaking about we're having a rainwatered field. If it's a rainwatered field, then they're not allowed to water the rest of the field even though I'm diverting water from one tree to another. So I may have thought, well, since I'm already allowed to do a little bit of irrigation on the field, and I'm already diverting water from one tree to another, so it's only a little bit more effort to irrigate the rest of the field. But since the rest of the field is an, a rainwatered field, so I'm not allowed to irrigate it, okay? The trees need to get irrigated. But the grains that are growing there can survive on the rainfall alone. So therefore, even though you can treat the trees, but you can't treat the land in between the trees. To be sure, watering the entire field would benefit the trees as well as the grains, since the tree's roots are widely spread, but that's not essential to the tree's survival. Okay, Rashi to the riff explains that even the trees can survive on rainfall alone and the water merely enhances their growth. What Rabbi Lezman Yaakov permits her is not the digging of a channel, but the opening of an existing one. Since this requires no exertion at all, Rabbi Lezman Yaakov allows the watering even though no loss would be incurred without it. Where watering the entire field is forbidden since it does require exertion. All right, so it's a second interpretation. But anyway, the main interpretation is the first interpretation, and therefore the trees need the, the water, and the field does not. Now, 
How about if you didn't irrigate the field before Cholomoed? Zroim Shalosh plants that were not watered regularly before the holiday, Lo you cannot water them on Cholomoed. Why? Because since they're not accustomed to being watered on a regular basis, it's not going to have any harm if they're not irrigated on Cholomoid. Again, we're talking about an irrigated field where you felt that um, if, if you really were worried about it, why weren't you irrigating it before Cholomoid? Obviously, you felt it could last without that. Okay, so therefore, if you didn't irrigate it before, you don't irrigate it on Cholomoid. However, but the rabbis permit the watering in both the instances that we said are not allowed. Meaning to say, the first opinion that said you cannot water the entire field, they permit that. And they also permit watering the plants that were not watered regularly before Yontem. Big Machlokas. But who are these sages? Ah, these sages are Reb Meir. Remember, we said way back in the beginning of the Masechta, he disagrees with the, with the uh, uh, what do you call it, the other opinion. And he says, even a rain-watered field can be watered in a Cholomoid for the sake of enhancing its growth. This is the major machlokas tonight. Is it only to prevent a loss or if it's even to enhance its growth? We paskin like the other opinion. We don't paskin like Reb Meir. But this Chachamim uh, here is Rabbi Meir. So therefore, as we knew from the beginning of the Masech, that there's a machlokas of the quote-unquote actual rabbis, <laughs> the Tanakama that says you cannot water a field unless it's to avoid a financial loss. Rabbi Meir holds, if it helps the growth, you can. And we don't hold like that opinion of Rabbi Meir. Okay, that was the Gemara. Comes along Rabbi Yehuda, and we're going to qualify Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov's ruling, who says that you're allowed to irrigate from tree to tree, but not the whole field. And if you didn't irrigate it before Cholamoid, you can't irrigate it on Cholamoid. So Rabbi Yehuda says, Im sada mitunenes mutar. If the field had been naturally moist and it dried up, it's permitted to water it. This is going on Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov's first ruling. He says you can't water an entire rainwater field on account of the trees. So Rabbi Yehuda teaches that there's an exception regarding a field that was originally moist. Why was it originally moist? There was an underground water source and it subsequently dried up. So now, if you don't water such a field, even though it's not a irrigation field, it still would lead to a big loss because the plants are accustomed to an abundance of moisture. In other words, even though it's a rainwater field and you don't have to water it because there was some kind of underground source that was keeping it moist all the time. So therefore you said, okay, I, I, between that and the rain, I'm okay and I don't got to do anything. Well, all of a sudden that field starts drying up. Now that underground source has dried up, so now you got to irrigate it. So Rabbi Yehuda is explaining with Lesben Yaakov that under those circumstances, you may irrigate it. Again, the underlying assumption is to avoid a financial loss. This is Rabbi Yehuda's statement. 
And there's a brisa that supports that. Tanya nami hachi, kisha amru aser lashkosa b'moid. When the Mishnah said you cannot irrigate such a field, la amru ela bizroim shaloshasum lifneamoid. We're only talking about plants that were not watered regularly before the moed, which can exist without so much water. But plants that were watered before the moed, they're permitted to water them in on the cholamoid. And that's not the proof. The proof's the next line now. Mutter, and if it was a field that was naturally moist and it dried up, you can water it. So the Tana of this Brisa must be Rebelazar ben Yaakov, because he's the one who differentiates between plants that were previously watered and those who weren't previously watered. So we see that he permits the watering of a naturally moist field that has dried up. Okay, so that is the Brisa, and the Brisa continues. And we may not water a naturally dry field on Cholamoid, which means it's a field that generally subsists on rainwater alone, but its earth is naturally dry, and since it's used to the dryness, it can go without water for a long time. So uh, it, 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 even in an arid season, it can't be watered. So I guess we'd have to have a botanist here that would go through all the uh, natural realities, but I guess certain fields could be used to not having water. But still in all, a chachamim, again, the chachamim, which would probably be Reb Meir, they permit in both cases... The sages permit the watering of a naturally dry field as well as an ordinary field that was not watered regular before the festival. This machlokas parallels that of the Mishnah where the sages disagree with both the rulings of Rav and Yaakov. The sages are Rav Meir, so that's the same point. So we just proved that point. So now that we have all that, Ravina takes it a step further. Amar Ravina, Ravina says, so what can we deduce from this brisa? Shmamino, we can learn from this brisa, high tarbitza, a garden patch. Shori litarbutze becholemoid. You're permitted to sprinkle it with water on cholemoid. And Ravina is going to explain how he got that from the mish, the brisa. Now, although the patch will not be ruined if left unwatered, one is permitted to sprinkle it lightly in order to bring up the vegetables. So the term litarbutse, now that's an interesting verb. So far, we've only been dealing with the verb of hashkoa, mashkin, to give the field to drink. Harbutza is a different term, uh, which is more sprinkling lightly, a mere sprinkling, a little bit, as opposed to hashkoa, it's a thorough watering. So he's saying from this brisa that we just quoted, a little sprinkling would be permitted even in cases where watering is not. Why? So he explains. Sada Garir, let's go back to the garden patch. The, the Sada Garir, my time uh, so the dry field rather, what's the reason that one irrigates according to the Cham Chamim and doesn't rely on rainfall alone? The Aflamash it's because the irrigation accelerates the growth and renders the late crop into an early crop. 
but it doesn't, not because it's in danger of being ruined. Still, the Chachamim allow it. That's the Chachamim are saying we could speed it up according to the Chachamim, not according to the other opinions. So, Hachinami, same thing over here. The garden patch, the sprinkling, makes the late crop comes early. So Ravina is seeming to base his opinion on the sages who allow you to water a naturally dry field. Now, that's what he seems to be saying that's going in Rav Meir's opinion. Tosos doesn't like this. He says, for there's a rule that Halacha follows Rav Lezer Ben Yaakov whenever his opinion is mentioned in the Mishnah. So why you explain the Chachamim? We don't hold like him. So Tosos therefore explains Ravina's reasoning as following. Since the sages permit even the thorough watering of a field for the sake of accelerating its growth, Sansa Reason Rabbi Lozer ben Yaakov concedes that the light sprinkling of a garden patch is permitted for this purpose since hardly any effort is required. So therefore he's making a deduction from the Chachamim to Rabbi Lozer ben Yaakov. Okay, Tana Rabbana, we learn in a brisa, uh, and it's going to lead to a question. The rabbis taught the following. We can sprinkle a grain field with water during Shemitah. But not on Chol HaMoed. Oh, all of a sudden you tell me you can't sprinkle it. And we're talking about a rain-watered field. A stelavon literally means a white field. Because the grain turns white when it ripens. Okay, or there's no trees over here. So the Brysa permits the sprinkling of rainwatered field during Shemitah, right? As we explained earlier, watering of crops during Shemitah is not prohibited biblically. The rabbis, though, did not prohibit the watering of an irrigation field since it's necessary to protect against irrevocable loss. But they prohibited the watering of a rainwatered field. Here we learn that the mere sprinkling, remember, only sprinkling is allowed during Shemitah, but even this fashion is not allowed on Cholamoid. And we just said before, you can do it on Cholamoid. But Tanya, we learned, but within we learned the Brysa, we learned in the Brysa that you can sprinkle the grain field Cholamoid or Shemitah. So how to resolve that contradiction? Some Ravuna lo kasha. It's no kasha. Depends who the author of that text is. Ha, Rabbi Lozben Yaakov. The price that forbids sprinkling. Cholamoy is Rabbi Lozben Yaakov. Ha, Rabbonon. And the other one is the rabbis. So Rabbi Lozben Yaakov, state, who stay in the Mishnah, it's forbidden to water an entire field on account of some trees. Will forbid even sprinkling. The rabbis of the Mishnah allow that. Okay. Tanya Irach, we learned in one brisa, Marbits in Soda Love on Erashviz, you can sprinkle a grain field with water before the Shemitah. Kadesh Yatsu Yurakas Bishviz, so the vegetables can come out during Shemitah, because you want to trigger the dormant uh, field over there. Below Odin, not only that, Elisha Marbits in Soda Love and Bishviz, you can even sprinkle such a grain field on Shemitah, so the vegetables should sprout after the conclusion of the Shemitah, but it can't be for sprouting during Shemitah. It can't do anything that will give you crops on Shemitah. All right, that ends this Gemara. We move on now to a new Mishnah. So it's a short Mishnah with a short Gemara. So since we already learned you can do certain work on Chalamoy to avoid an irretrievable loss, 
teach are times when the work must be done in an unusual fashion. Sometimes you can do it, but it has to be done not in the regular way. That's going to be the idea of Shinoi. So the Mishnah says, You can trap the issues. We don't know what that means right now. More is going to explain what that is. And mice. You can trap them. Misada ha'ilon from an orchard, umisada ha'lavan, and from a grain field, kedarko in the normal way, bimoed ancholamoed ubishvis and anshmita. Why? Because these rodents are going to ruin the crops. That's going to be a financial loss. So therefore, you're allowed to do the task of trapping them in order to avoid a financial loss, which makes sense. Well, no, but there is going to be, there is crop. Because it, it, remember, it grows by itself. What, what, you, what was before, there are certain crops that grow by themselves. That's it. Any Shemitah. And, and besides, wait a minute, you plant it in the sixth year. Right? So when does that come up? It could come up during the seventh year. Not everything comes up in year six. You plant in the later time. It comes up because people want to eat anything that happens to be growing on Shemitah grows by itself. An apple tree. A tree. Yeah, it's good. Tree so now the rodents are going to eat it. I understand. But you can't you can't harvest, per se, for your own personal needs. You can't work on it for your own personal needs. But it could be damaged. Certain, uh, certain, certain what do you call it, perennials can be destroyed. Right, so we want to get them to stop uh, destroying them. That's a financial loss. Right. Now, one might wonder why it's necessary for the Tana to teach that this is permitted during Shemitah when only the cultivation of land is permitted, right. forbidden, but other labor is unrestricted. So why did it have to even tell us that? Trapping is a labor that might be forbidden on a festival, but it seems no reason to prohibit it during Shemitah. Rashi explains that by trapping these creatures, one is deemed to be improving the field. Presumably this means that the removal of creatures that are harmful to its produce is considered a benefit to the field itself. Thus it might have been thought to fall under the category of land improvement. That's forbidden in Shemitah. Might think it's, it's something that's land improvement. Saying, no, that's not. So it's explained that in the process of trapping the rodents, it's necessary to clear the field of stones. And that's normally restricted. So, in other words, there is a little land improvement to get rid of the rodents. Others explain there's no real improvement to the land. However, when one digs holes for the traps, it looks like he's plowing the land. And the town is saying, you know, it looks like we're not making a decree on that. Okay, so what do you see? You could trap these rodents in these various fields that you're normally not allowed to work them on Cholomoid or on Shemitah. But here it's avoiding certain types of financial loss. So both are the same according to the Tanakam. But the rabbis say, If you're in a tree field, an orchard, yes, you can do the trapping in the usual fashion. But if it's a grain field, you can do it, but it has to be done with a shinoi in an unusual way. Why? Because the rodents do not damage a grain field as significantly as they damage an orchard. By an orchard, they eat the roots of the trees, which is a much more severe damage. 
Since the potential loss in a grain field is relatively minor, the trapping must be done in an unusual fashion. We'll see later on how that happens. Okay, good. So therefore, since it's not such a great loss, you can do it, but it has to be done in an unusual fashion. And finally, umakrines appears of a moid. What if there's a breach in your field? You had a fence, and the fence broke. Achalamoid. So you can close the breach of the fence surrounding a field. If part of it fell, it can be repaired. Achalamoid. I think we're just going to discuss how you could do that. Ubishvis, boinekadarka. And in Shemitah, you can build even a new wall in an unusual way. Now, it looks like you're building the wall to guard the fruit from strangers, to not let people in. Remember, on Shemitah, you have to let the field be open to everybody. So it might look that the wall is keeping out strangers. We'll see why it's allowed, because it's not actually keeping out strangers. You're trying to protect the field from, I guess, from animals. But oh, so the Chiddush is, even though it might look like you're building the wall to keep people out, which you cannot do in Shemitah, it is still permitted. Okay, so these are the halachas of the Mishnah. First thing we have to deal with, the Mishnah started, you can hunt rodents and ishus. So what are ishus? My ishus, what is an ishus? Amr of Yehuda, Yehuda says, Bria she'en lo enayin. It's a creature that has no eyes. And what, oh. therefore what? It burrows under the ground. That's a mole. Uh, Yushama says it's a mole. Indeed, the mole has tiny eyes that are sometimes covered with skin, leaving it blind. Moreover, since it spends much time underground, when it comes out into the light, the light blinds it. So one opinion says it is a mole. Amar Rav Bar Yishmol, Vizim Rav Yemar Bar Shalmei. These rabbis say, my kra, what's the text that teaches us that Ishus are unable to see? How do we know? Pasuk says, it says like this, it says in Tehillim, Kamo Shabelul Temes Yaloch Nefel, like the snail that melts and slithers away the falling of an Ishus that never saw the sun. So he's talking about evildoers. Okay, so we're seeing an Ishus does not, Nefel Eishes, that word Eishes is like Ishus, so the Ishus that never saw the light of day. Fine, so that's just a proof that Eishus is the type of animal that doesn't see the sun, and it's blinded, so to speak, and that's the animal we're talking about. Fine, so now let's go back to a price that's going to discuss this same topic. Turn around. We learned in a price the following. Like our mission said, we can trap the Eishus and the rodents, from the grain field and from an orchard in the usual fashion, as the Tanakam and our Mishnah said. What else can you do beyond what our Mishnah said? We could destroy antholes on Cholamoyed. Because again, an antol, too many ants are going to destroy the field. So now, Kate said, How do we destroy an antold? Rab Shimagam Lil Omer, Rab Shimagam says, Maybe offer mechor zeh. You bring dirt from this ant hole and place it in that ant hole. You take from one ant hole to another. What does that do? And the ants choke each other to death. Why? Interesting. 
When the ants smell the foreign soil, they panic and kill each other. Alternatively, the soil from the other hole contains some ants, and the two groups attack each other. So the price is telling us what you're allowed to do on Cholamoid. So it's, it, it took what our Mishnah said and added destroying antles. Okay. Amar of Yemar Bar So this rabbi tells us, however, for who decoy betray Avinar. This is effective to destroy only where the two holes are located on two sides of the river. In other words, it's real foreign soil. If one side of the river has one type of soil, the other one has a different type of soil. And more than that, you have to make sure these ants could never have commingled with each other. And not just on the other side of the river, but for who the lack of Gisha, there's no bridge that exists. Okay? And also, they got to be really be careful for who the lack of Gamla, and where there's no plank laid across it, for who the lack of Matra, and where there's no rope stretched across it. So a plank is narrower than a bridge, but wide enough for an ant to cross. And a rope is a situation where the river is spanned by a very narrow board. And when walking across, keeps its balance by holding onto the rope that's stretched from one riverbank to the other. If any of these crossings are present, the ants will recognize the dirt that is brought from the other side of the river. So you got to be, I guess, ants cannot go through a river alone. They can find little parts that can get them across the river. So that's totally foreign ants or foreign soil that gets them very meshuga. Um, so now, ad kama, how far of a distance are the antholes considered to be close together? In other words, when there is a river between the two holes and no means of crossing, how far apart must the holes be from the ants to make the soil unrecognizable. Okay, so how far away are they? At Parsa, it has to be until a Parsa. So if it's it's uh, about two to three miles, that's far away and it's able to destroy them. Okay, fine. Continuing the Mishnah, uh, the Mishnah said, Rabbi Huda Omer, Mistea Ilan Kedarko, Mistea Lovin Shalom Kedarko. Rabbi Huda disagrees with the Tanakama. He says if it's a great, if it's a, Orchard, you could do it the normal way, but if it's a grain field, you have to do it in an unusual way. Tanner abundance. So now we have a price that defines what's the usual type of trapping and what's considered unusual trapping. Kate said Kedarko, what's a normal way to trap these rodents? Chofer Guma, you dig a hole, Fetolaba Matsuda, and suspend a trap in it. So what happens? The hole gives the rodents an exit from their underground quarters, and now it leads them into the trap. You're making a hole so they can go through the hole and then into the trap. That's the normal way. Kate said, Shalokadarka, what's the not normal way? No H Shpud Umakabakordum. You thrust a spit into the ground above their quarters and you strike it with a hammer. And that flattens the ground beneath it, so they're caught underneath and they are crushed. That's not the normal way to kill them. Tanya, we learn in a Brisa, we're going to qualify Rabbi Yehuda's ruling. 
Reb Shim ben Elazar Omer, he says, Kesher Amru, me stay love and Shalok Kedarko, and they said you have to do it in an unusual fashion in a grain field. But Amru Ella, be stay love and Asmuchalair, only the grain field that's near a city. I will be stay love and Asmuchalasada Elon, but one, but a grain field that's near an orchard, then I feel Kedarko, you can do it the regular way. Why? Because what are you really protecting? The orchard. Shema Yetzim and say, I love them. They may leave the, the grain field, the Achrivas Lutus, and destroy the orchard. I already said, an orchard you can protect in the normal way. So it's really just one step before to protect in the normal way. Okay. Umakrinas Apirtsubamoid. The Mishnah said you can close a breach in the fence on Cholamoid and in Shemitah. You could even build a new one. So Kate said, Makrim. How do you close the breach on Cholamoid? Rav Yosef Omer, he says, with palm fronds and laurel. Those are not the strongest ones. So you braid them together and you make a barrier. That's not a wall, but it's some kind of barrier. Bimasni Satana, it was taught in a Brisa, another answer. You pile on it with stones, but don't smear it with plaster. He doesn't cement the stones together. So the, here's the point. The repair is in a non-professional manner. We will see repairing in a professional manner is not allowed. That's going to be one of the rules of Kolomoy. You do what needs to be done, but not in a professional manner. Now, the price is not contradicting Rabbi Yosef, but it's giving an alternative method of repair. Now, Amr of Chista, Rav Chista now, on the Mishnah's ruling that it can be closed, but it he's going to say, but it cannot be rebuilt, it could just be closed. On Shemitah you can rebuild. Amr of Chista, Loshana Ela Bekosa Hagina. This speaking only about a wall of a garden, because it's not going to be such a big loss if people break through a poorly repaired breach and enter the garden. Aval HaKosal HaChatzer. But concerning the wall of a cart, courtyard, to get by your house, bona kadarko. You can build it in the usual fashion. Why? Because that could lead, if you don't do it properly, could lead to a financial loss. Why? Because people are going to go into your house and steal stuff from your house. Okay, that's fine. It'll end in 10 minutes, but you can't see. That's the problem. So if it's your courtyard, that's the entranceway into your house. So you have to do things in a way that protect your house. Let's say we have a brysa that supports this ruling. It says, A courtyard wall that's leaning dangerously into a public domain. You can knock it down and build it straight, even on Cholomoyed. Because a danger to other people. So we see a courtyard wall is different. Gamora now assumes we're dealing with a courtyard wall because concerning a garden wall, you're not allowed to do that in the usual ma- fashion. So the Gemara says it's not a proof. Hasam tiny time, and no, there they give you the reason why. It says because of danger. Danger allowed to do it. There's no danger uh, when you when you're dealing with the other case because it's not going to fall and kill anybody. Okay, the Ikadamri, and there are those who cite another version of how the Brysa was brought to connector of Chista's ruling. It says, Tashma, come in here. They wanted to refute him straight out. It says, A wall that leaning precariously into the public domain, 
You can build it because of the danger, and it might collapse. And here's why it's going to be a question on Rav Chista. So Gemara says, it implies only because of Sakana. But if it's not a danger, not. Let's say it's a question on Rav Chista. So it says, no, Rav Chista, no. Hasam over there, so Sarabona. There where there's a danger, you can demolish and rebuild. Hacha, here we're just saying, bona velo salser. You can rebuild it, but you cannot demolish it for that purpose. So Hasam Nami. Ah, but now the Gore will just want to get three more. Okay, you know, we'll stop it over here. We've got a bit more to go. We're asking questions on him on that. Okay. Shukayach.